my god. Um, also, I woke up delighted today. I'm a little hungover, but I woke up Me delighted too. because I called you last night because you were like, do you want to record? And I'm like, no, I'm having a fire and drinking wine. Mm-hmm. And I called you and then we just um, talked at each other for 30 minutes about how much we loved each other. And <laughs> I was like, goodbye. <laughs> uh, I just feel so secure. I love it. Anyways, hi. 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 You guys, we're back. We're back. Season six. Here we go. Season six. This was. Wait. I was like, why is it? What? Welcome to SBU Pod. I wasn't going to. Okay. Welcome to SBU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. What do you mean? Oh, I was just going to say, like, but you were right. Yeah, no, we should do that first. I thought you were going to start talking about the episode. And I'm like, I was. That's why I was I'm like, like, get it right. <laughs> I, I was. And then I was like, I wasn't going to. And then I'm like, no, I actually, I was. This episode, I was like, God, this episode is intense. Why is that? And then I'm like, oh, duh, it's the first episode of season six. Of course, it's going to be a mm-hmm. fucking banger. Yeah. I hope you guys had fun on our, on, um, on our break. On our break. On a, all yeah. of our break. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't really either. And I loved it. Nothing new for trash like you. Remember Gummo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time I say that, nobody laughs or remembers what it's from. And I... Appreciate that you just did. So I've seen kids like a million times, and I t- mm-hmm. I did a recent rewatch of it, and it's fucked. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Euphoria movie of our generation. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, it's a '90s Euphoria. It fucking mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Get going. Okay, so we are on season six, episode one, Birthright. All right, opening scene, we're at a park. There's this cute little girl running and crying, and she's Mm. screaming, Daddy, Daddy. She runs over to her dad. Something happened with the boy on a bike. Also, it's the little girl from Signs and the movie with the dude from The Office. Um, This is Abigail Breslin. She is Little Miss Sunshine, uh, among a million other things. She's, Yeah. yeah. The first movie I saw her in was she played the young daughter in Signs, and I fucking love that movie. Hmm. Nobody likes that movie. I love that movie. Did you not like I it? I don't know. I don't want to kick the season off like this. I just like don't have the emotional energy for it. But I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Oh, swing away. Uh, it's contaminated. Okay. Okay. I don't get it. There's amoebas. <laughs> I Anyways. know that it's a movie I should have seen and that everybody saw it. And maybe I saw a part of it or saw it. was an it M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. Hey! Maybe I did see if it was M. Night Shyamalan, I probably Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, one of the Culkins. Probably Rory. Aliens. Aliens were cast. It was the first time that they cast real aliens in a movie. (laughs) They didn't have Um, a union yet, so they really took advantage of them. (laughs) The scariest like movie scene where you see the aliens. Oh, oh yeah. I did not watch this because of the aliens were scary looking. Mm. Anyway, Abigail Breslin. Anyways, she's Little cute. Sunshine. And Steve Carell. That's the dude from The Office that Gabe's talking I know. about. I can't, I can't believe Carell. I forgot his name. <laughs> the dad looks over and sees an older boy in a denim jacket and a red hat riding away on a bike. The little girl has blood coming out of her head like she's got a little cut. And she tells her dad that he tried to pull her away by the ears and take mm-hmm. her with him. 
another dude with a bike comes up and he's like, what's up? Did that boy on the bike hurt her? And the dad's like, yes, he's trying to kidnap her. This guy pulled up on his bike like he was in the movie Rad. Please tell me you know what I'm talking about. Yes. He like, like, (laughs) yeah, he skirt up so hard. And we both did the lean too when we (laughs) We did. I know. The guy on the bike tells the dad to call the cops and he rides after the kid in the hat. The music gets all swelly and it's like, it doesn't even get swelly. It's like 80s chasing after a yeah. guy on a bike and another bike. It's Mario Kart, but like yeah. emotionally intense. It's right. McDonald's theme. Turtle shells everywhere. <laughs> you can't escape the red one or is it the green one? Which one follows you? It's the red the one. The blue one. Well, the red one, the red one is like a heat seeker, but the blue one will go all the way from the back. A heat seeker? I don't know. Did I make that up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is this, Tank Girl? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> the guy in the bike rides around, but he cannot find the other guy, the one that tried to kidnap the little girl. This was so fucking triggering, dude. Six-year-old little girl... The whole, just the whole subject matter was a lot for me. And that Abigail Breslin is such an amazing actor. It made it that much harder. So what do we do when we're triggered? That's right. We disassociate. So the dude on the bike doesn't have a lot of credits, but he was in a movie called Salted Nuts. Nice. Wait, the one that was chasing him? The one that... The fucking skirt. That guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So skirt to the crime scene. (laughs) Everybody rides bikes this entire time. Yeah. Benny and Staves are at the scene. They're talking to a bike cop. Walking and talking and wearing his helmet. Yeah. Same thing with horse cops. Just yeah. keep the helmet on. It's policy. Safety first. He tells them that the if he's just he's just walking. He's like, Whoa! oh, God. Thank God I had my helmet. He goes to a riot and has to put on riot gear and he has to put the riot helmet over his regular helmet. <laughs> it's giant. Like Rick Moranis. In, it's like fucking Rick Moranis. In fucking, is it Rick Moranis in uh, Spaceballs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the cop tells him that the victim is Patricia Branson and she is six years old. Benson and Stabler go to talk to Mr. Branson by an ambulance while his daughter is being treated by medics. He's obviously distraught. Mm-hmm. The perp tried to pull Patty over the fence by her fucking hair and it ripped out of her fucking head. So the dad doesn't want to leave his daughter when they talk to her. But Benson says that victims her age are better talking one on one. And he's like, OK, so Stabler takes Branson away. Benson stays with Patty to have a little chit chat. Patty is crying. Big fucking giant tears. She's such a good actress. I know. Benson gets in the ambulance to talk to her. She says that the guy tried to take her away to go play with his puppy, Dinky. He let her pet him before. So she's met him before, apparently. Mm-hmm. Theme song. Bum, 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 season six. How many missing dicks? Bow, bow, bow. One, two, three, four. I don't know. We'll find out. Back at the precinct, Stabler and Craigan are doing a walk and talk. Stabler mm-hmm. had checked with other people at the park and no one had seen this guy before. And he goes on to say that he thinks the dude used the dog to get to know Patty. Duh. Mm-hmm. They don't know where he was. I like how I'm like, he's just giving him information. I'm like, duh, stupid. <laughs> they don't know where he was planning to take her. There's all kinds of places really close to the park that they could have gone. Also, Patty showed no signs of sexual assault, but Craigan thinks the guy isn't going to give up if he's already been tracking and grooming Patty. Mm. These guys go into the observation room. Mr. and Mrs. Branson are watching Patty be interviewed by Benson as Huang Mm. waits to conduct his interview. The parents are freaking out. Oh my God, the mom's like, he's following us everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God. Totally justified. 
Mm-hmm. Mrs. Branson, who played the flight attendant in Tommy Boy, and what in the goots? She was in Three Men and a Baby, too. Oh, shit. Steve Gutenberg, season six, coming in hot. <laughs> she says that Patty has seen the man twice already, so she's scared he'll come back. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad tell them that Patty is either at school or with one of them all the time, so... It's a school There's person, not like right? there's another adult. Yeah. yeah. We go on with Benson beginning her interview with Patty. She asks Patty to describe the guy in the bike's clothes. Blue shirt, red hat. She says that he's a big boy and not a man. The first mm-hmm. time she saw the boy's puppy, she was riding a horse. Cut to the other side of the glass where Patty's mom says, that doesn't make any sense. She's never been on a horse. And we'll find that out in a second. He told her he wanted to see her bracelet when she was on this horse, right? Mm-hmm. It's a medical alert bracelet for her diabetes. Mm. Benson's like, so what about this horse? Like, what are you doing? You're riding a horse. And Patty goes, it was a coin horse. So this is such a six-year-old way Dumb of fuck. <laughs> You stupid yeah, bitch. She's like, yeah. She's like, silly. I'm like, yeah, I'm on a real horse at the grocery store. And Benny's like, you never said you were at the grocery store. And she's like, <laughs> shut up and listen. It's the kind where you put money in, you know? Oh, yeah. Back to the other side of the glass. Patty's mom was like, oh, yeah, duh. There's this ride in front of the supermarket like that. It's down the block from where we live. She remembers now and says, that there was a teenage boy who showed Patty his dog and said hi. Mm. Mom says she thinks she could maybe remember what he looks like, but is obviously kind of a mess, so she can't describe him. Mm-hmm. And this, again, this is all so realistic. Darla says hi to every single fucking dog we see. Mm-hmm. I always have her ask permission, obviously, to yeah. approach anybody's dog since you never know. But she's interacting with people like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And if somebody at the grocery store walked up to Darla and was like, hey, look at my puppy, she'd be like, holy shit. I would not be able to tell you what that person's face looked like. Right. You know? Yeah. I'd be like, I know what the dog looked like. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like I'm picturing right now, Darla said hi to this long haired little wiener dog in the airport. I have no idea if it was a man, woman, person in a Sesame Street costume. Zero clue who was on the other end of that leash. But I could tell you all about the dog. Craig tells them that they're going to station detectives in front of the Branson's apartment building. Then they all hear Patty ask Benson for apple juice. And her parents are like, oh, my God, we need to get her some apple juice. Mom's got some in her purse. Um, She knows when to ask for it when her sugar is getting low. Because mm-hmm. of the diabetes, you know? So Cragen sends them into the room to take care of Patty. After the parents step away, Cragen tells Stabler they need to retrace Patty's steps from the last week. Munch and Toots are going to go to the grocery store. Over at Shopper's Choice Grocery, Munch and Toots are questioning the supermarket manager about the horse out front. This dude's real name, fucking mustache and all, is Buzz Roddy. His real name in real life. His real name in real life is Buzz Roddy. In classic SVU fash, he's got a sign for some produce coming off the back of a truck. Little NYC multitasking, talking to the detectives. They ask if he's seen anyone unusual. Did you notice the boxes? No. All the boxes were stacked up. They were the exact same box and they just said greens on it. That's it. Every (laughs) single box. He's a matter of fact. There were two guys in a blue van, a couple of white dudes. The driver was middle aged. The teen was sitting shotgun and he had a dog in his lap. He remembers because they were blocking the delivery area. And Toots is like, did you ask him to move? And he's like, yeah. And the driver told me to call the cops. I loved his mustache so much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wonder what happened to this dog. We never see it. We know they don't live in New York. Mm -mm. Do they just borrow a dog? Where is the dog? I never even thought of this while I was watching it. I mean, these were private. Well, we'll get into that later. But these guys, yeah, whose dog was that? With what they were doing, they didn't have time to give a puppy the proper care it needs. Okay, I can't go into this. So, oh, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> the driver told me to call the cops. So he did call the cops. He gave them the Arizona plate number, but nobody ever showed up. And he still has the plate written down in his office. After they get the number, Munch toots walk and talk out of the store. Munch thinks the older guy pays the younger guy to snatch the kids or the younger guy is dependent on the older guy. And toots speculates that the younger guy could be a former kidnapping victim of the older dude. And now Mm -hmm. he's bait for him. Mm -hmm. Dispatch comes over the radio to Munch and Toots to give them info that came back on the plates. There Mm -hmm. are no warrants on the van, but there was a recent intel report from another precinct filed by Patty Branson's school. What? Outside Patty's school, Benny and Stabes chat with the officer who had responded to the call. The van was parked in a teacher spot, and the dude didn't move when he was asked, and sat there and watched the kids until dismissal. The cop also said this guy was by himself. Stabler gives the cop his card and tells him to call them if he sees the van again. So the detectives walk and talk, trying to figure out why someone would be stalking this kid in New York all the way from Arizona. Oh, Stabe spots the van. It's just right around the corner. So they circle around and call for backup. I'm surprised that Stabes wasn't like, hey, get over here. <laughs> Two blocks away. Don't drive away. I'm going to come knock on your passenger window. I'm a cop. You're probably in trouble. Wait for me. <laughs> Wait. Wait up. Oh, he drove away. Ding. So instead of doing that, they circle around and they call for backup. Mm-hmm. Later, Craig and Munch pull up next to Benny and Stave's squad car. Not obvious at all. Super not obvious. Just a bunch of cops hanging out chatting right by this van. All- all wearing trench coats. <laughs> the van matches a description, license plate and all. Benson could only make out a white male driver reading the paper. Mm-hmm. The boy in the red hat all of a sudden gets out of the back of the van. He walks over to the parents waiting for dismissal. Craig mm-hmm. doesn't want to arrest him with all the kids and parents around because someone could get hurt. And he goes, so here's what we're going to do. And then we'll... <laughs> it's so... Ca- before you... Also, this fucking kid, this this red hat fucking kid, 40 year old, (laughs) this pin drop on a map kid is part of a stakeout to kidnap this little girl and wears a bright ass red hat every single fucking time. Right. The same outfit, denim jacket, red hat. It's okay. Like you bring a dog, but not a change of clothes. Come on. You're a private detective. You should have like five wigs at least. Right. And you tried to snatch her by the fucking hair. And she's like, that's a red hat. She's only remembers your red hat. Mm-hmm. The thing that you're like, I, I am not going anywhere without this. This is my lucky red hat. It's mm-hmm. like, it's really bright. It stands out. He's like, I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't think it defines anything about me. So school's dismissing, right? Mm -hmm. Toots and Craig walk over to the van to tell the driver that he needs to move. The driver is actor Ned Bellamy. This guy has resting bad guy face. Mm -hmm. In the delivery room, the doctor was like, congratulations, it's a baby villain. (laughs) He's got, don't fake laugh at my terrible jokes. Uh, Sorry, sorry. (laughs) I did do that. I know. Dude's got 125 credits, including Django Unchained. Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, Saw, Being John Malkovich, Con Air. Whoa. Shawshank Redemption. Is is he Jigsaw in Saw? Is he the main bad guy? No. I didn't look up to see who he was in Saw. Hmm. No, he's not the main. No, no, no. No. The bald guy who stands up at the end. Spoiler. Spoiler from a movie 20 years ago. Spoiler for all of them. Hmm. He shows up some way in all of them. That's right. He does stand up in the end. That was such a good movie when it came out. It was so good. Anyway, this guy's been in a ton of stuff. Toots taps on the window and the guy in the van flashes a police badge. So Toots also pulls out his dick. I mean, his badge. And driver dude says he doesn't answer to him. 
Boom. Craigan's at the other window. Yeah, you answer to me and smushes his dick against the window. I mean, his badge. He smushes his badge against the window. <laughs> he tells them he's working an IAB caper, implying that he's undercover. So Toots immediately knows to ask him the color of the day, which is standard for a plainclothes cop to ID themselves to other cops. Mm-hmm. The guy's like, ah, purple, but it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Toots pulls his gun. Craigan tells the guy to step out of the van, but dude just peels away. Benny and Stabler... He's like, <laughs> the whole van. <laughs> so Benny and Stabler are like, time to... We have, we weren't even in park. And they go to follow him. And I love this. They peeled around the corner and Benny gave Craigan and Toots the one finger, like her arms hanging out the window. And she gives him the one finger like, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. But, like they weren't in a police chase squealing mm-hmm. tires. I took a video. Hang on a second. Oh my God. It's so good. Like their back wheels are fucking drifting. And she's like, hey, Mike. Yeah. Boop. <laughs> I can hear you. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny to me. Craig and Toots chase the boy in the red hat who they can immediately pick out and keep eyes on because he's wearing a bright fucking red hat. Mm-hmm. And then Munch Tokyo drifts to chase the kid too. Like he's going to cut him off at the pass. Everybody's in pursuit. Toots and Craigan are hoofing it after this MAGA hat little fuck. And Munch cuts him off at a crosswalk. Kid goes ass over tea kettle onto Munch's car. Further away, the van crashes into a bunch of parked cars. And then Stabler rear ends the van. And he and Benny just hop out like NBD. He's like, are you all right? She's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> They're like getting out of the car as soon as they crash. Like it was a normal way to park. And also there were no airbags. And it was, I mean, it crumpled the front driver's side yeah. corner of the car. Right. And it's 2004. It's 2017. Everybody's eating ass. No, it's 2004. <laughs> like the car should have standard airbags, right? I, I texted my buddy the other day that said that to me in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, the funniest thing you've ever said was this. And we say it in the podcast all the time. And he was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> well, hey, what's up? Hi. Munch Toots and Craigan have the red hat over the hood of the car. He has a PI card from New York. What? Hmm? The older man at the van is arrested by Benson and Stabler. All right. Now we're in the precinct. Craigan goes over the chase with Stabler in his office. He tells Stabler that that whole chase ended in 3000 worth of damage, which I'm like, that's it for a car being pretty much totaled if it's scrunched up and the van. Yeah, but he was just talking about the police car damage. I think it was only 3000. You think they're putting th- it was like 3000 to get my well, I know it's 2023, but so that's 2023. This is 2004. All right. like whatever, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm like, well, that money could be used to help victims like find safety, but whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Benson comes in and tells him that the older guy is a PI in New York and Arizona. His name is Peter Carson. He specializes in reuniting kids with their custodial parents, and he's pretty well known for it. He gets like 50K a pop and all of his expenses taken care of. So the kid in the red hat is actually 45. Just kidding. He's 23. (laughs) He's a PI named Kenneth Pratt, also from Arizona. So someone hired them to get Patty. The Bransons are in the waiting room with Patty because she has to ID the men. Obviously, the mom doesn't want Patty to have to do any of this, but they have to. She's a witness. And obviously, Stabes is like, move. (laughs) I got this. (laughs) Yeah. So Patty's brought into the room to ID the men. She's super scared to ID them because she's worried they're going to get mad at her. Stabler hard dads and picks her up and explains how the window is magic and no one can see her through it. Yeah. So the lineup is brought in and the music is all swelly. She 
starts crying and she IDs number four as the guy that tried to snatch her at the park. It's Pratt. Mm-hmm. Ugh, she's crying. Are those like fake tears? Do they like put eye drops or does she just know how to cry like that? I don't at, know. Because like, these I mean, are some big tears. Like, And she's you know? so believable too. Like I believed her in this. Oh, mm-hmm. She's such a good little actor. Usually they have like a 12 year old playing a six year old, but she actually looked like she was six or younger. Yeah. She looked like Darla, you know? Remember when she, I know, it was very fucking triggering. She was missing all the teeth in front, just like Darla. And had the big blue eyes. Yeah. uh, I was like, yeah. Okay. Now we're in an interview room. Toots and Munch question Pratt. This guy has some cool credits. He's in Atlanta, um, which I haven't fucking watched any of, and I've been meaning to for a long time. Sneaky Pete and Mindhunter. (gasps) He was in one episode. He was just a guy named Dwight. I don't know anything more. I like that you like looked into it because you know I'd be like. <gasps> I'm always going to tell you who they were in Mindhunter because I have to have the answer for you. You saw that show, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I hated that it only had two seasons. It was like so fucking good. It was really good. Pratt's like, she saw me in the park. So what? He says it like he's not from Arizona. Like he's from New York. He said it like New York. He said it. He said it how I would sound if I went to Ireland for two days and came back. I'd have like a full yeah. Gaelic accent. <laughs> he's like, so what? She saw me in the park. So what? Yeah, Forget about it. I'm walking here. And they're like, what? We're indoors. <laughs> I need to go to Long Island and get the best coffee. That's how you do it, right? No. Give me one of those blue New York cups. I want some coffee in there. I need a bagel and a schmear. Stat. <laughs> to an island. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to answer you, but I'm not going to stop moving these boxes. <laughs> or whatever. Hey, oh. <laughs> we're really good at. <laughs> at New York, yeah. We're good at New York. Yeah. My whole job is beach. I'm really good at beach. <laughs> Toots tells Pratt that he is looking at attempted kidnapping and assault charges if he doesn't tell him who the fuck hired them. Pratt says he can't talk about an ongoing case. Munch says he thinks he's lying and that him and the older guy Carson are, quote, freelancing, as in trying to pick up little girls for their own pleasure. Mm. Then it jumps to Benson and Stabler in a different room with Carson. They're doing that back and forth thing for a little bit. He says, you calling me a pervert? He says his job is no different than theirs and it's completely legitimate. And they're like, Staber's like, why the fucking stunt driving then? Like, why did you run? He says he ran because they thought he was doing something illegal. Like, why else? Why else would anybody run? Yeah. It's just- <laughs> he admits to being on the job, but they tell him that he has the wrong kid. He says he doesn't kidnap kids and that Patty was the right kid for sure. It jumps to Munch and Toots with Pratt. Toots is in his face and Pratt tells him that he knows for sure that Patty is the target. Munch is like, let me give you the 411. The Bransons have never been divorced. Duh. Pratt is like, I know. I know. And then Munch says, this case isn't a custody case. And Pratt said, I never said it was. Kragen comes in and Pratt says, what's this? The heavy artillery? (laughs) Uh, You're fucking damn right it is, kid. It's fucking Kragen. Dude, oh, shit. Craig is like, dude, New York is about to pull your fucking PI license. And when Arizona finds out about it, he'll be fucking washed up. He tells them that they're totally bluffing. And Craig says, oh, yeah, you want to risk it? Music's all swelly again. Pratt breaks down and tells him that the job was to return Patty to her real mother. What? Mm. Later, 
the deets are discussed with Carson. He says Patty's been kidnapped and the Bransons aren't her real parents. Carson says his client's daughter disappeared four years ago and the cops didn't do shit about it. He has the police report. Photos of the baby look like Patty and the report even states that the baby had diabetes just like Patty. Staler wants to know who the fuck hired Carson and tells him he's going to go to prison if he doesn't spill that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Benson Stabler at the Osborne residence. Michelle Osborne answers and smiles, and she knows that they're there about her daughter. And it's fucking Leah Thompson, Caroline in the City, the Beverly Hillbillies, Epinus, Howard the Duck, the biggest and most memorable being the Back to the Future franchise. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Inside, she shows them a photo of her daughter from before she was taken. Her name was Anna. She was taken when she was two years old. Carson, the PI dude, has a guy that specializes in age progression photography and made a photo of what she would look like now, and it looks just like Patty. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it was it supposed looked, to, so... It looked like a haunted porcelain Victorian doll. <laughs> <laughs> It looked like um, it looked like a one of the Canadian children from South Park. <laughs> like it was not oh, like if AI, if like if you typed in "Children of the Corn" into an AI prompt, it'd be like this. <laughs> Plus one of those like city witch hats that everybody wears—the big fucking hats. Yeah, it was, and she had it framed. I mean, I'm not making fun of her because she truly believes that this is her daughter. Her daughter's out there. She's mourning, whatever. Yeah. But like. It's it's not real technology. This is pretend technology. They could take mm. a photo of Abigail Breslin and put a bob on her or something to make it a little bit different and be like, mm -hmm. this is insane technology that we borrowed from NASA. We don't believe any of it. Like, why are you showing <laughs> a picture I I drew with like just really nice colored pencils, you know? <laughs> it's Keep going. I'm not mad about it. No, no, no. Benson says that the NYPD has no record of Anna being kidnapped or missing. Michelle says that the New Jersey police do, though. Her husband, Steve, and Anna were taking a trip to visit his parents in Jersey, and Anna was taken from a rest stop. They can't talk to Steve about it, her husband, because he was killed in a car accident. And then one day, Michelle saw Patty at the playground a few weeks ago. It's the same park she used to take Anna to. She goes sometimes to see the kids and remember her time with Anna. What? I'm just, that just makes me sad. Well, she says that she prays every day that she'll find Anna and she looks for her every day. She knew the instant she saw her at the park. Michelle is positive that Patty is Anna. And Stabler says, quote, with all due respect, a feeling is not enough. She mom trumps his dad mm -hmm. fucking shit and says yeah. a mother always knows her baby. And then the camera goes onto his face and he's like, <gasps> whoa, I hurt my eyes rolling my eyes so hard. <laughs> She says when she saw Patty, she called the police and they didn't take her seriously. He says Carson is the only one who believed her. Michelle takes him to a bedroom decorated for a little girl. She is convinced that Patty is Anna and that she will be brought home to her. This woman is like updating the bedroom every year. Yeah. So you know? Anna was supposedly kidnapped when she was two and Patty is six. And this bedroom is set up for... A fucking like a six -year -old. first grader. Yeah. 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 Staler tells her that she really doesn't have any proof and the coincidence that Patty and Anna have diabetes doesn't give her the right to hire someone to take her. Then Michelle is placed under arrest for conspiracy to commit kidnapping, which was kind of a shock. Yeah. They were super nice I was about like, it. Wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were like, hey, um, like we have to do this. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Super sorry. But like you're going through a lot, but you tried to kidnap a kid. And mm. so 
And she goes, go ahead. You'll see I'm right. And I'm like, oh, my. oh talk about a good actor, too. She's mm-hmm. oh, in this. So let's go to the arraignment. Pratt with the red hat. Carson Poison Apple Face and Michelle McFly <laughs> all plead not guilty. <laughs> Novak requests a high bail considering the nature of the alleged crime. Michelle mm-hmm. insists that Patty is her daughter, and the judge tells their lawyer, EGOT winner as of February 2023, Viola Dam Davis, mm-hmm. that she can't have any more outbursts. An order of protection is issued. She has a fucking she- Grammy? Yeah, dude. For what? I think it was for like reading an audiobook thing or something. Oh my God, I never even thought of that. But she's fucking EGOT, dude. She's so cool. I know. And so pretty. I know. An order of protection is issued. If she happens to make bail, Michelle cannot go within 100 feet of Patty or her family. So the judge sets the bail at $500,000 per defendant. Afterwards, Huang and Benny are walking and talking out of the courtroom. Benny's worried. This shit is sticky. Mm-hmm. That was my nickname in high school. Huang says, based on her outburst in court, Michelle doesn't think that taking Patty <laughs> Huang says, judging by her outburst in court, Michelle doesn't think that taking Patty was wrong. Benson goes, huh, so she is crazy. Mm. Huang eyebrows at her shitty comment and tells Benny that Michelle is actually having a single fixed delusion. Mm -hmm. You judgy bitch. Mm -hmm. Benson questions Huang about Michelle possibly pleading insanity, but Huang says Michelle will lose if she goes that way. Mm -hmm. Benny can tell Huang is hung up on something, so she presses him a little bit. He says that Michelle updating Anna's room is bugging him because usually when a kid goes missing, families will keep their room frozen in time like a shrine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Michelle keeps updating it, believing her daughter is coming back. Mm -hmm. Benny goes, Oh, you mean so even if she has to steal another Anna to make it so, Mm. she's sure her daughter's coming home. Mm -hmm. I did not get that from what he was saying. But, you know, time crunch here. We got 48 minutes, folks. Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Huang wants to dig into Michelle's past. And I'm like, are we just not doing a DNA test? I know. I think I I literally mentioned that in the next fucking scene. That's like the first. I said, why why aren't we taking a DNA test? I literally said that. Okay. It's like, this is my daughter. And it's like, no, it's not. It's like, look at this picture. And it's like, we have science. (sighs) We have science. (laughs) Like, she could sneeze in the palm of fucking. (gasps) That's why that guy ripped out her hair. Because remember, Mm. I just realized that. Dude, that is why. Because they come back. Mm. Okay, Benson and Huang mm. do some research. <laughs> Benson checked Michelle's history. She's clean as a whistle, even her credit report. Benson also called. I know. I almost did that too. I almost went. That was the whistle. She was clean as. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Benson also got Patty and Anna's birth certificates. They were born two weeks apart, a hundred miles away from each other, so it wasn't a switched at birth situation. And here's mm-hmm. why I say, why aren't we fucking taking DNA? Mm-hmm. Weirdly, Huang can't find Anna's info in the missing children's database. The state troopers may not have put it in there. Benson gets a call. Fucking Michelle violated the protection order. In the FBI database thing, Huang actually found a death certificate for Anna. She's dead. What? On the scene, right outside Branson's house. Michelle's there. The fucking music is Ron Jeremy hard right now, ready to go. (laughs) A cop tells Benny that Michelle showed up to the Branson's home, ringing the doorbell, repeatedly yelling that she had proof. Michelle's in cuffs. She tells Benson they're making a big mistake. Huge. Mrs. Branson runs, huge. (laughs) Mrs. Branson runs out and she's like, gave birth to patty get out of here benson tells michelle this has to fucking stop 
that they know everything. Anna's death certificate says she died in the car accident with Michelle's husband, Steve. Uh. Michelle argues that they never found her remains, and Benson tells her that they were hit with a gasoline tanker. There was nothing left. I know. Yeah. Benson says she's really sorry, but tells Michelle that she has to know somewhere inside that Benson's telling the truth. Mm. You got to know something inside somewhere that this isn't right. Michelle is like, no, my daughter is alive. Stabler pulls up. Carson's in the back, handcuffed. He was around the corner. Benson tells him he's a fucking idiot and his bail is fucking smoke now. Carson tells him to get the piece of paper out of his pocket and to, quote, read it and weep. It's a fucking lab report. They tested the hair from Patty that the guy ripped out of her fucking head. Yeah. It's Michelle's daughter. Patty is Michelle's daughter. We all saw that coming, right? Well, the whole time in the beginning, I was like, I mean, besides knowing the episode, like watching it objectively, I was like, I think off the bat, I wouldn't trust the Bransons because they seem really squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I don't trust I thought them. it was going to be like a stealing baby or somebody stole babies to sell to people, you know? Mm. Yeah. Kirstie Alley. But then when she was like, I have a C-section scar, I was like, what's happening? I okay. know. That I was like, this is gaslighty as fuck. Mm-hmm. In the precinct talking room area, Mrs. Branson says that Patty is their daughter and she has a scar from a C-section. They even have video of her giving birth. And I was like, what is going? what is literally going on now? Yeah. Coroner Warner comes in and tells Benson Stabler that it's urgent and they need to step outside. They leave the room and Coroner Warner tells them that she ran a test on a lock of Anna's hair that Michelle gave her. Anna and Patty are not the same person. Patty and Anna don't have identical DNA, but they have mitochondrial DNA. They were fucking sisters. Mm -hmm. What? An embryo from Michelle was implanted into Mrs. Branson. The fertility doctor made a mistake. And Corner Warner's like, I want to know who the fuck this doctor is. Get his info. Mm -hmm. In some fancy Ron Burgundy conference room, Benny's with Michelle. Her lawyer, Academy Award winner for Best Supporting Actress, Viola Davis, the mm-hmm. Bransons, and Novak. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Branson says his name, Dr. Stabley Norton. It's <laughs> Stanley Norton. It was an Alyssa typo. I thought it was funny, though. I'm like, Stabley? <laughs> My name is Ned Schneebly. Dr. Stabley Benson. <laughs> Both women were patients of Dr. Norton and doing IVF at the same time. Mm. Somehow, Sarah Branson got Michelle's embryos. It's Mm. possible that something as simple as a mislabeled Petri dishes caused this whole thing Mm. uh, is the explanation, which is fucking insane. Mm. The music has been doing tricep dips over the break (laughs) because it came back fucking swole as shit. (laughs) Both moms are quiver-lipping at each other. Michelle Mm -hmm. breaks down and apologizes for what she did. Leah Thompson is such an incredible actor in this scene. The what she conveys just by this moment, to me anyway, we're watching her not only realize Patty's not her daughter, Anna, but that Anna also isn't coming back. This is everything I gathered. Mrs. Branson requests that the order of protection be removed. The Bransons don't want Michelle to suffer anymore. Mm. Novak doesn't give a fuck about the room filling with tears and tells the Bransons to go ahead and petition the court if they want to drop it. Mm. Okay. Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series winner Viola Davis mm. asks if she'll quit being such a twat and consider dropping the attempted kidnapping charge. Mm-hmm. And Novak's like, mm, too bad. Michelle has to go to trial for violating the protection order. Mm. Right after, out in the hall, Benson wants Novak to plead Michelle out, which Novak responds to super agreeably. JK, she's like, are you fucking kidding, Olivia? Mm -hmm. She tried to have a kid abducted. 
we're not letting her off the hook just because you feel guilty that you didn't believe her. Mm-hmm. And Nick Cannon's in the back like, whoa! <laughs> that was a was a wild and out reference. And yeah. so, so Novak goes to turn and walk away because she just fucking ate in this fight. But Benson goes to follow her and she wipes the this bitch off her face and tells Novak <laughs> to give Michelle a break. She's like, hey, could you give Michelle a break? She was a victim as well. Genetic rape by the doctor. And Mm. this makes Novak pause because she can see that. Mm. Novak tells Benson to talk to the doctor to confirm the story. Then Novak will cut a deal with Michelle. Mm -hmm. At the Norton Fertility Clinic, Dr. Norton tells Benny and Staves that Sarah and Michelle both sent him photos of their babies after they were born. This guy plays a great doctor. He played a soap opera doctor for 10 years in the 80s and 90s. So So he like knows. He like knows. Benson tells Norton, hey, guy. Both of these babies were sisters. And he said that that could have never happened. There are safeguards in place. That's crazy. But Mm -hmm. maybe somebody screwed up. And I'm like, that's a really great safeguard. Good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He thinks maybe Michelle could have donated her unused embryos, question mark. But to do that, she would have had to fill out forms. Mm -hmm. So Stabler asks for the copy of the paperwork for the donation. Mm -hmm. The detectives go to Michelle's house. She said that she never consented to donating her embryos. There's like two boxes. One is for donation and one is for sperm implantation. Mm -hmm. She checked the sperm implantation box, but not the donation box. Norton lied to her about how many eggs and embryos she had and told her that he had implanted them all back into her. Mm -hmm. And then Michelle thinks that he forged the donation form. And these detectives are like, what? Mm Mm-hmm. No. Cut to wherever Benson shows Novak the form. Because this forged, and she's like, looks the same. Looks like an X to me. <laughs> Novak says they don't know the doctor forged anything. Benson thinks the doctor is lying. Stabler thinks that maybe Michelle did consent to donating her eggs and then changed her mind. Benson believes Michelle completely because she hasn't lied about anything so far. All the stuff that she thought she was lying about and just being, quote, crazy, all of it was mm-hmm. true. Right. Benson says that if Dr. Norton intentionally implanted eggs into someone without their consent, they got to fucking get them. Novak says there isn't a law against that in the state of New York. And I was like, what? Yes. Okay. Wow. There are presently nine states with active fertility fraud laws that cover this. Mm. Federal legislation currently. Oh, okay. Only nine. Federal legislation currently, like right now in 2023, in the year of the Barbie movie, is being presented and voted on. There's also state-level legislation in nine states, including New York. So, yeah, mm. there's not a ton of protection here. That's crazy to me. We can get into it a little bit later, with, like with the chaser and stuff, but it is crazy. It is oh. wild. And a lot of it has to do with the abortion debate and mm. um, what is an embryo? Is it theft yeah. if it's not property? How is it property if it's that? Like, it's very yeah. nuanced. Right. So it's hard to get through. But it's, I mean. Like, is it considered kidnapping or theft? That because is one like, of the questions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Novak says they can't get him on larceny because stolen property has value and body parts don't and i was like are you sure about that tell that to the fucking black market black market jesus benson says okay uh in vitro fertilization costs tens of thousands of dollars dude what was novak thinking saying that out loud with her mouth like what the fuck i have no idea okay benson thinks that he's probably done it to other women and wants novak to get a warrant for the original copy of the form michelle signed and they'll fucking prove it she's intense with this right now by the way and i love it Mm -hmm. benson is oh yeah in the crime lab one police plaza 
Whenever I say that, I think it says pizza. In the crime lab, forensic tech Fisher tells them that the signature on the form is authentic, but the X's are not identical. They were written with a different pen, not a ballpoint like the original X Michelle did seven years ago, but a gel pen. And I immediately thought of like purple sparkly. um, (gasps) Me too. Yeah. (laughs) But the company that made that particular gel pen only started making them five years ago. Toot says, Dr. Babymaker is a big fat liar. (laughs) I wrote that down, too, because I'm like, who the fuck wrote this dialogue, Darla? (laughs) Back at the precinct in the interview room, Dr. Big Fat Liar Norton and his lawyer Kressler are there to answer to Novak and Benny. Mm -hmm. Norton denies doing anything wrong. Kressler says that Norton had an error in judgment when he checked the box himself. He insisted Mm -hmm. that Michelle gave him verbal consent to donating her eggs and just didn't put it on the form. Mm crusty ass Kressler argues that they can't take Michelle's word because she's an attempted kidnapper. Mm. Novak goes, hmm, not anymore. We're dropping the kidnapping charges. Michelle only did that because of what Norton did to her. Mm-hmm. Alexa, play Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. P.S. <laughs> if anyone has a way to get me tickets to the Eras Tour in Indianapolis next year that don't cost $3,000 a piece, let me know. Let me know. So Novak's like, yeah, she only did that because of what fucking Norton did to her. Kressler and Norton are like, oh my God, you believe her? You believe that woman? And when Novak has it in the bag and is so smug, that's my favorite fucking Novak. Mm-hmm. She goes, mm, yeah, we've got signed sworn statements from employees of Norton's saying that he's routinely implanted other people's embryos into women without consent. Mm. He's like, all I've ever done is help infertile couples have children. And Benny nearly mm. dives over the table. He doesn't even finish his sentence and she goes, all you've ever done is pad your bank account. Mm-hmm. To which Norton frowns really hard. Like that's he how he responds to her. He frowns super hard. He frowns the kind of frown that I do that Gabe hates. I don't hate that. I love that. You do? Yeah. I thought we, you used to Oh, used to be like, don't do it. You do it so hard. Yeah, that's right. There's another frown that you do that I like. That's the one that Kristen Wiig would do. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. It looks know. like a th- perfect smile upside down and it's creepy. You have like a Muppet mouth. It's this one. What does that one little shrimp guy say? Meep, meep. Duh. (laughs) Your stupid face. Go. Oh. Novak tells them that the forged X is all she needs to go before a judge and get a subpoena for all of his records. Mm -hmm. She's going to find out how many more times he's pulled this shit. Mm -hmm. At the precinct, Novak's got updates on warrants. She obtained the warrants for the following. Records for all in vitro patients and all surgical and cryopreservation logs. And Stabler's like, cryo what? Cryo what? Stabler, Google's been around since 1998. (laughs) Shut up. Sarah Branson's records have a notation on them that none of her eggs ever fertilized. So it's obvious that Dr. Norton just swiped one of Michelle's. Mm. Benny's like, cool. Couple counts of fraud. He loses his license. Maybe does a little time. Cragen trots out there to tell them the 2-2 precinct called and they've been mobilized regarding Patty. Cue to the distended, expanding, dilating music. (laughs) 10 centimeters. Outside the Children's Museum, Patty's teacher's panicking, telling Stabler what happened. The class was on a field trip. She did a head count before they left the building, and Patty was in line. Then when they got on the bus and she did another head count, Patty was gone. Mm. The teacher is shown a picture of Michelle and remembers that that woman was standing at the door when the class was leaving to get back on the bus. Oh my gosh. Oh shit. At Michelle's house, all the detectives and Huang search the house. There's no signs that she packed. That's how you leave in a hurry, okay? Remember last fucking whatever? 
looks like they left in a hurry. There's like a label maker. <laughs> yeah, everything's like, gone. yeah. There's a pod outside of her house. <laughs> Benson thinks she grabbed Patty and left everything behind. Okay, so this is funny. They find a picture from a beach house in Bell Harbor. Toots pops in and says that the garage attendant where Michelle keeps her car says that she goes to Queens, Bell Harbor Beach House, every weekend. Michelle picked her car up in the morning. Okay, so this is what was funny. When Stabler found the photo, he says, here's a picture of them at the beach house before they had the baby. But in the picture is clearly a couple holding a fucking child. It was super weird. Did you notice that? No, 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 no. He shows it. And he's like, "This here, here's a picture oh, of no, them no, no. at the beach house before they had a kid. That's not what, no, no, no. They sa- he said, oh, here's this picture of them at a beach house or whoever said it. And then he or someone said, I saw another picture of them at a beach house before they had the baby. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear that. I rewound it, too. They referenced mm. seeing another photo. All right. There goes my germy thing. <laughs> Pretend I didn't ruin your joke. Tell me your joke. It was just me going, Jeremy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> cut to the beach house the cops have the house surrounded and benny and staves ass bust through the door michelle's in the house immediately just like right by the door she's like you can't take her michelle says that patty's her baby and benson's like no she's not stabler arrests her and benson comes back in and asks where patty is michelle obviously won't tell them then michelle says quote it doesn't matter who gave birth to her. You know she's mine. Benson gets in her face and says, Michelle, she's six years old and I'm taking her home. Where is she? And she says it just like that. Like, enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enough. She's six years old. I'm taking her home. You are a victim here. You are mm-hmm. definitely a victim here. But like, we need to put order of importance on who's being fucking traumatized right now. Yeah. All Benson has to do is go upstairs. Yeah. She finds Patty in a room crying. Oh, she walks in and Patty's like, Olivia? Oh my God. And she's like, I don't want to stay with Michelle. And I'm like, of course you don't. You just got fucking kidnapped by this lady. Patty is sad because she thinks the Bransons don't want her anymore because Michelle told her that she's her real mom. Oh, how traumatizing. And then Olivia hugs her. Oh, yeah. All I saw was Darla. She's like, Michelle mm-hmm. says she's my real mommy. It's not true. Is it Olivia? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my fucking God. Yeah. She's just like, Olivia doesn't say anything. Just hugs her. Mm-hmm. In the precinct, Benson comes in holding Patty's hand and she runs to her mom and dad. Ugh. They're worried Michelle will keep coming back. She'll never stop. Michelle is being arraigned and is being held without bail. Mrs. Branson's scared that Michelle will never, ever leave them alone, which I guess I would be too. It's complicated, yeah. man. It's super complicated, but it's I, I get that fear. Mm-hmm. At the jail, Michelle's being escorted to a cell by a CO along with her lawyer, BET Award for Best Actress winner Viola Davis <laughs> and Novak. Michelle insists that she can't be charged with kidnapping her own daughter. Mm. And Novak tells her, "Mm, yeah, you can. She has no right to Patty. Legally, yep. Yeah, but because Michelle is clearly a victim in this as well, they're still willing to make an offer. Three to five years in lockup and get some fucking counseling. Mm -hmm. And Michelle says, no deal, Howie Mandel. (laughs) Okay, this is where I thought of that scene from Family Guy. You are the weakest link. Goodbye, where he drags that little girl. Mm. Do you remember what I'm talking about? There's this new little girl and she's like shit talking Stewie or whatever. And she gets everybody to turn against him and laugh at him and stuff. Does he kill her and drag her by the hair? Stewie? Yeah. Yeah, he kills her, I think. I think I remember that. I just remember that scene. She's like, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And all the kids in class are like, (laughs) and he's like, oh, oh, that's so fresh. That's such a, did you, did you just come up with using that? You took from the show. So the very new joke and you brought it to use as an insult against me. You're so funny. (laughs) Novak tells her 
dude, if you go to trial, you're going to get 15 years in prison. Michelle thinks she'll get acquitted and she's going to sue for custody of Patty. Mm. Novak literally says, you kidding me? Yeah. Michelle's lawyer, BAFTA Award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role winner, Viola Davis, says that <laughs> if the jury finds Michelle not guilty, that means they believe Michelle is right and Patty is her child. Then the next logical thing to do is to award Michelle custody of Patty if she gets acquitted, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody in that open-ass cell acknowledges that Benny and Sarah Branson have sidled up to the cell. They all just keep talking. Mm -hmm. And Novak tells Michelle, it'll never work. But Michelle says, I have to try. And then mm -hmm. Mrs. Branson, from their weird onlooker spot, says, you can't. <gasps> Everybody's fucking shocked. Mm -hmm. They're three feet away. Yeah. Novak, you were, you were facing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she jumps up. She's fucking so upset that they're there. She's like, Benson, what are you doing? And she goes... Mrs. Branson wanted to see Michelle, so... Like, you guys don't, like, in the hallways, you pass convicted sex offenders next to the kids. You guys pass each other in hallways all the time yeah. on your super accurate show. This is an adult woman who wants to talk to another ad yeah. adult woman. <laughs> right. So Mrs. Branson asks Michelle to consider what she's doing to Patty mm -hmm. and explains all of the ways that she, Sarah, is Patty's mom. Michelle argues that Patty has her and her husband's genes... So she's technically hers and is convinced that Patty is a second chance at having her daughter and mm. she's not going to give up until she's told that she's guilty, which is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like to have someone with a lot of gray area in the law there coming for you mm -hmm. and she has matching DNA to your child and mm. you have no say. Oh, it's just scary. And she's like, I'm not going to stop. In the trial, Novak's talking to the jury. She reminds them that the law states the birth mother is the legal mother. So Sarah Branson is Patty's legal mother. Fucking C-section scar. Gave birth. Mm -hmm. And Michelle still broke the law. The law. She yeah. really lays it down hard. She broke the law. Not your emotions, guys. The law. Mm -hmm. Michelle's lawyer... Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor and a Leading Role Winner, Viola Davis, mm -hmm. argues that Michelle did it. Do you hate that I'm doing that? I love it. I <laughs> okay. absolutely love it. <laughs> I kept trying to get you to be like, don't. And I was giggling to myself because I'm doing like longer and longer award titles. No, I love it because I fucking love Viola Davis. So her lawyer, Viola Davis, argues that Michelle did not intend to break the law. She was overcome with maternal instinct and appeals mm -hmm. to the jury emotionally. Mm. The one thing I was like, hmm, about is that Tony Award winner Viola Davis says that the prosecution has to prove that Michelle was intending to commit a crime. And that doesn't sound... Right I thought me. that was weird because they're always saying, like, just because you don't know the law doesn't mean you, you know what I'm saying? Ignorance is, yeah. Ignorant is not an argument in court. Yeah. It's not. And so for her to be like, you have to prove she was intending to commit a crime. Really? No, you don't. Yeah. She no, kept saying, don't. like, you have to prove intent. And I'm like, I don't really know about all that. She hired people but, to take a kid whose legal parents are not her. That's It's so complicated. She yeah. hired people to snatch a kid. Like, okay. That's hers, though. That has her DNA. It's fucking... Uh, I know legally, but, like, people can legally have paperwork for a child that was kidnapped and been like, mm. oh, this has been my kid. You know, I don't know. It's fucking... Okay, anyways. Now we're out at a park. Stabler is playing basketball with some of his kids. His, his butt's just, like, out there. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> He's trying to teach his kids how to play basketball and is totally cool with his daughter calling his son a, quote, dopo. She's like, I could have 
done it, dopo. And dad doesn't say anything. He's not like, don't talk to Dickie like that. Yeah. You stupid bitch. <laughs> His daughter clocks Novak staring at them. She walks over in street clothes, like jeans and shit. She was being a kind of a little cunty. She was. She's like, ugh, dopo. Hey, who's that fucking lady over there staring at us? <laughs> yeah. Stabler tells his kids to go, go, go practice a couple of dopos. <laughs> Novak and Stabler do a mini walk and talk. She tells Stabler she needs a reality check because there is no way to win this trial. And she has to talk to a dad about it because mm. she's like not a person. Anyways, she doesn't think anyone's going to care about evidence when they hear what happened to Michelle. Stabler asks her if she's worried about losing the case or is she actually having second thoughts. Novak doesn't think that the law can do anyone justice in this case. Somebody's getting fucked. They're all getting fucked, period. Michelle goes to prison or she gets acquitted and never leaves Patty alone. And Stabler's like, yeah, okay, so what is your question? Mm -hmm. So Novak knows that Stabler is number one dad. And that's why she needed to talk to him because she doesn't know anybody else in the city of New York that has kids. Right. <laughs> at all. I mean, if she does, he's better. She had to go all the way to fucking Queens. All the way to the ass end of Queens to talk to this dad. Quick, Stabler, name all of your kids right now. <laughs> I'm fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> she asked Stabler what he would do if he found out he had another kid out there and would he want it. And he says, you're damn right I would. Yeah, because you don't have to take care of it. Fucking Kathy does. Kathy this does. is the first time he's seen his kids in like three years at the park. <laughs> and he like tells him to fuck off while he talks to his friend. He's like, I'm not 100% sure these are mine. Yeah. <laughs> Novak says, so then you know why Michelle's so obsessed. I don't feel like you have to be a parent to like get whatever. Stabler there's, explains. There's a lot of, there is a lot to it. But Okay. St I mean, I have a dog, so I know. <laughs> Stabler explains that Michelle isn't obsessed, it's love. He says it transcends everything and he would die for his kids. Novak realizes that Michelle and Mrs. Branson will never stop fighting over Patty. Duh! Stabler, this is so crazy because whenever I think of episodes like this, I fucking totally go to the Solomon thing. You too, I'm 100%, sure, right? 100%, I did too. Yeah. I so, did too. The famous picture of Solomon with a knife holding a baby by the fucking foot. And everybody just standing around like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like the other lady didn't realize that the child would be killed mm. when she wanted it. It was fucking weird. Only the mom. Okay. Whatever. Stabler starts quoting the Bible verse about Solomon and the baby. Okay. So this Bible verse thing, two women are fighting over this baby. They're both saying that they're hers. And Solomon's like, well, I'll cut them in half. So you each can have one. And the real mom was like, no, don't. Don't hurt the baby. Let her have him. And he was like, here's the baby. You're the real mother. I knew it because yeah. you didn't want it to die. I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's talking about that. And then Novak goes, well, I don't have a baby to cut in half. <laughs> yeah. She goes, except I can't split the baby. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Novak, you precious heathen. <laughs> right. And he goes, Solomon didn't have to. Ooh. So she's supposed to know that that means that a very complicated answer, which she, I don't know how she would get to that. She's a lawyer. Yeah, the the Bible's so fucked up. <laughs> God. Now we're at the trial. Patty is on the stand. She points out that Michelle is the person who took her from the museum. Mm -hmm. Patty says she went with her because Michelle told her that she had to take her to her mom, Mrs. Branson. Michelle took her to her house and told her that she's her real mom, her egg mom. Mm -hmm. Michelle explains to Patty that she came out of her mom's tummy, Mrs. Branson, but that the egg came from her own tummy, Michelle's. That's what she told her. Novak asked Patty what she did at Michelle's house. She says that she watched TV and just played with toys. Novak tells Patty that it's true that Michelle is her, quote, egg mommy. And she's getting all rough. Yeah. And it makes Patty cry. And Novak's being kind of mean. 
And Patty's like, no, it's not true. And Novak says, yes, it is. Yeah. And Michelle gets uncomfortable while Patty's crying. She's, oh my God, Patty's like crying and begging to go with the Bransons. And everyone's like, whoa, chill. She's just a little girl. Is this line of questioning necessary? Patty keeps crying and tells Michelle to not take her away from her parents. And Michelle can't handle it. And so she fucking stands up and tells Novak to stop. She tells Patty she's sorry and that she won't bother her ever again. Patty runs over to the Bransons. Michelle says that she will plead guilty so that they will leave Patty alone. It's a close-up of Novak's face. She's like, I just bibled so fucking hard, dude. <laughs> like, this was a hard one because Michelle's a victim too, you know? Ugh. Mm-hmm. Back at the precinct, Novak gives trial updates to the gang. Michelle pleaded guilty to custodial interference. She has a suspended sentence and is going to move out of state saying that it's too painful to be near Patty and not see her. Ugh. I don't know how she could ever give up, but I get it. You don't want to hurt this kid. Well, seeing how much, like, that was the whole point, the Solomon thing and everything. Seeing how much it was hurting her, she's like, doesn't Stabler say it too? And he's like, he was, that's a true mother. He was willing to let her go. Yeah. Stabler says that she did the motherly thing, loving her by letting her go. And I was like, Hmm. okay. Craigan says that Patty and her parents won't have the same relationship ever again since they all know the truth. Benson finished the audit of Norton's files. Oh, Michelle had 16 embryos instead of four. Ten got implanted in other women. Michelle has two other daughters and a son that were born by other people. My fucking God. <gasps> the end. Toy fucking Yoda. Toy, toy bro. Toy bro sis Yoda. Toy fucking eggy Yoda toy embryota <laughs> yeah it's that one <laughs> all right well toy legota rayliota <laughs> no escape <laughs> all right pew, pew, diddle-loo, diddle-loo. so i'm gonna tell you this little fun fact uh this little infuriating fact it's not the story but the first quote test tube baby created by ivf like the first time ivf was thing was done in 1978 by Robert Edwards. And I want you to guess if the women involved gave their consent for him to do it. Of course not. Of course not. We don't do that here. No. We don't do that anywhere. On to the story. So these doctors, Dr. Ricardo Ash, who came to the U.S. from Argentina, and Dr. Jose Balmacita, who came from Chile, meet each other at University of Texas at San Antonio. Okay, these dudes worked in reproductive endocrinology, gynecology, Mm. reproductive health, all that stuff. It was at University of Texas that Ash pioneered gamete intrafallopian transfer, a.k.a. the gift procedure. IVF was the popular fertilization method at the time, but the gift procedure was really getting celebrated. They -hmm. differed because IVF was the implantation of a fertilized egg into a uterus, right? Mm -hmm. In the gift procedure, surgeons place an egg and sperm in the fallopian tube, allowing them to fertilize on their own and then Hmm. go down into the uh, uterus. It apparently had great results and the Pope approved it. At the time, that was a big deal because the Vatican was like, IVF is unnatural, but gift is more natural. So we're okay with it, whatever. So that's, that's a big deal to some people. I know we don't care, but people cared. Also, gift yielded more live births and full-term pregnancies than IVF did at the time. Hmm. So with his research and discoveries, he became super respected in his field. 
Ashen Balmaceda teamed up with Dr. Sergio Stone to start a fertility clinic at UC Irvine in 1986. Mm. Ash became the director of the Center for Reproductive Health, heading up the infertility program and assistant dean of outreach at the school. The fertility clinic that they started was crazy busy. And at first they were using Dr. Ash's gift procedure, but IVF just kept advancing over the years. And so mm. it again became the standard. So again, okay. they're implanting embryos and not eggs and sperm. Right. Right. Along with being a respected doctor and researcher in his field, Dr. Ash was likable and charismatic. His clients and patients felt comfortable with him. They really liked him. It's also important to mention that this field wasn't just helping people conceive children. It was a crazy moneymaker. Bioethicist Arthur Kaplan summed it up really nicely. He said, quote, you're making babies for profit. Almost a Wild West kind of an era. Nobody watching cash business. If you ever wanted to see what free market medicine looks like, it looked like infertility treatment in the 80s. It was all advancing so quickly that there was little to no regulation happening. Mm -hmm. And these doctors made money like mm, this. I bet. Yep. Houses, cars, rich, 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 these guys. Now, remember, Dr. Ash was heading this clinic up. Eventually, on more than one occasion, a medical assistant became suspicious of Dr. Ash's ethics. Mm -hmm. There were rumors that he was claiming eggs had been donated that apparently hadn't been donated. And one of the requirements to donate eggs was just like in the episode to have a client sign the consent form. Mm -hmm. uh, to donate their eggs. These assistants, like these nurses, knew the patients well. They were the ones giving injections, talking to them regularly, you know, really knowing their story. So the speculation started when Dr. Ash would claim a patient donated extra eggs that these nurses knew wouldn't have, you know? Mm -hmm. Like some of these nurses and these assistants were like, isn't it kind of weird that we've had a bunch of conversations with this woman or this couple and they've expressed that they want to keep their eggs for future children possibly or whatever. And then all of a sudden he's saying that those same people are donating and it was happening a lot. So hmm. they started to question him. The assistants took their concern to the head biologist in the lab, Terry Ord. She worked closely with Ash since his days in Texas and he brought her along with him to California. Mm-hmm. Her job at UCI was to take the eggs he told her to and put it with the sperm that he told her to. She wasn't about to confront him with nothing more than accusations and no definitive proof. In a later interview, Terry Ord said, quote, you didn't ask Dr. Ash things like that. You didn't question what he did. I never questioned him. I couldn't go and accuse a good and famous doctor of something I had no proof of. He was very clearly telling me specifically what to do. It wasn't my place to question him. I didn't have any firsthand knowledge. I didn't know for sure to go against my boss who was running the practice, who was also very well-known, very well-respected. I mean, he knows the entire IVF world. The nurses never knew for sure either. We didn't know, for example, whether he had gotten verbal consent from the patient and just didn't tell anybody. We just didn't have proof. She had also later called him a master of fear and intimidation. But back to 1995, when these nurses and assistants were like, what the fuck? The news ended up getting out. In 1995, Susan Kelleher, healthcare writer for the Orange County Register, began working with her colleague, investigative reporter Kim Christensen. Hmm. A UC Irvine Medical Center official had told Susan that Dr. Ash had been stealing eggs and implanting them without consent. Mm -hmm. Dr. Balmaceda and Dr. Stone were also being implicated, but like the big focus was on Dr. Ash. 
a whistleblower at the clinic had handed off a pile of photocopied medical records from 1991 that showed Dr. Ash had harvested one patient's eggs and used them in another who had gotten pregnant and given birth. Mm. So Kelleher and Christensen got the owner of the egg's address and went to her house. Mm. They just straight up asked if she consented to donating her eggs. And her answer was an unequivocal no. Mm -hmm. So they were like, holy shit. I mean, that was the difference between them having a story and them not having a story. Yeah. So they go back to their typewriters and get their shit together and ran the story the very next day. On Mm. May 19th, 1995, Gabe was (gasps) freshly 13 years old. The story spread immediately. Was that 13 years old? Yeah, Yeah, you were born in 82. 82. So, yeah. I did the math. 13, man. The story spread immediately and their actions were being called biomedical rape. The clinic was immediately shut down. Over the next months, the OC register continued to find more and more patients who had their eggs stolen by Dr. Ash. Of course, the head of the whole damn thing took no responsibility for it and actually called it a frame job, saying someone at the university was setting him up. In an interview he did with NBC Nightly News, he said, quote, I'm very sorry. I didn't know that was happening. And if I would have known, none of this would have happened. Mm. Okay. The scene of Lorraine McFly being shown a photocopy of her consent form with her signature and the donation box checked really did happen in this case. Uh, A patient whose eggs had been used and produced twins insisted she had never checked the box, Mm. but it had been checked. Like it was checked on her form. And it was done really poorly because her signature was black and the X was blue. Stupid. Uh, Yeah. Dr. Balmaceda and Stone were implicated as well, like I had said, but the majority of the blame was on Dr. Ash because he was the one giving direct orders. After the clinic was shut down, Terry Ord, the embryologist who was working in the lab, and her mm-hmm. husband moved to Texas. Okay. This is just a little aside thing. They moved back to Texas. They had twins. And soon after, there was a lawsuit filed against them. One of Ash's patients claimed that Terry's twins were hers, that her embryos had been stolen at the clinic and Terry had no right to them. Yeah. That didn't go anywhere. But like Terry was an important person at this clinic. And so she was like, she was doing this interview and she's like, you have no fucking idea what it's like to get a lawsuit filed against you. Yeah. And you have your your babies and you know where they came from. And someone being like um no those are mine oh god so all that got cleared up but it's just it just sounds so terrifying especially as a new mom and your brain's all fucked up and ash tried to dump the blame the accusations of framing him on terry she was deposed and just laughed at it she's like that's a fucking ridiculous accusation uh and gave like four days of testimony Mm. the testimony that she did give was so damaging to ash she said that dr ash worked every angle of that clinic from the patient relationships to the labs and was the one giving direction and orders in every area there was so much documentation so many notes and safeguards that this being a mistake dozens of times over was impossible yeah definitely he was the one going this egg goes to this person and this whatever And she's like, I'm not meeting these people. I'm in a fucking lab. And the people who are meeting these people aren't in the lab. So they don't know. Like, he's the only one with access to both Mm -hmm. going back and forth. At least 15 children were born from the stolen eggs. Also, stealing genetic material had no law on the books. No felony, which is wild. But remember, the science was advancing so much faster than the law was. So nobody knew what to do. What were these relationships? Who should have custody of these babies, these eggs, these embryos? The egg theft victims didn't sign over their parental rights. So do they technically have rights? Our embryos, people, or property. One victim who found out her stolen egg had produced twins sued for custody, and the mm. twins were fucking six years old. Holy shit. 
Mm-hmm. Some victims found the addresses of these kids and had them videotaped and photographed. So I was reading that in this experience of this woman who was one of the people who had her eggs uh, stolen. Mm-hmm. And she found out that she had a child. Like there was all this, they were going to have another kid. And then they couldn't. Dr. Ash was like, oh yeah, this isn't working, whatever. She got a divorce and she found out that he had implanted another woman with her egg. And so she reached out to this woman through the lawyers and whatever they were talking. She wanted to talk to the kid. She wanted to meet him. To this day, never met him. The mom didn't understand why she was so emotional about a little boy that she never knew. So that was just like what I was talking about earlier with like the people not being able to, maybe not seeing someone else's perspective. She's like, I get that it's your DNA and I get that you want to know updates and stuff but like she got to talk to him one time on the phone and his mom told him that she was a friend from work and so Mm. she's on the phone and she's just asking him about football and soccer and whatever else in school but now he's an adult man and you know got married and she has all of these emotions about it still interesting because in her mind like that's her kid Mm -hmm. but she also understands that it's not like she didn't raise him she doesn't know him you know and it's it's just her DNA yeah that's so And her son, too, her son that she did raise has a lot of feelings about like wanting to meet and know his brother. Yeah. And I guess he works for Homeland Security or something. So he has to put down like this person is my brother because of the security of it. But the kid never talked to them or anything? Mm -mm. Doesn't know about it or? He knows about them. He knows about them now as an adult and still doesn't want to meet them. Mm. Because he's like, I don't get it. I don't get why you want to meet me. Like, my mom gave birth to me. I am, like, so... in. It's wild. I'm so weird about, like, genetics and DNA and stuff. Like, if I had a half-sibling or even a cousin I didn't know about, I'd be like, I want to see what they look like. I want to meet them. I want to, like, see if we have the same mannerisms or we have any... Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily... Oh, my God. I'm weird with family. That's not weird, though, to me. It's not weird. I don't know. But whatever. I mean, everybody has a different perspective on it. I, I don't know. Maybe if I had a sibling, I'd be like, oh, whoa. But mm-hmm. I kind of don't, if it was like a cousin, I'd be like, okay, what's their name? Yeah, maybe that was, that. that's a little too far, maybe. Because I have like a shit ton of like second cousins. I don't even know what they look like. <laughs> yeah. You know, but no, I mean, when I, me and my cousins, when we were kids, like we all hung out together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Ours did too. Yeah. But now I'm fine with like, what's your kid's name? I don't know. It's mm-hmm. fine. That's not to minimize anybody's like strong feelings about it one way or the other. That's just my own. But as a mom, like, I'm trying to imagine if someone took my eggs and I was told that my DNA was somewhere. I don't know. Maybe I'd want to like meet the, I don't know. I I guess I can't put myself there. My mind Mm -hmm. won't do it. Okay, so let's finish this up. So legally, these guys could not get prosecuted on fertility stuff. There wasn't anything to charge them with. Mm -hmm. But at the same time that all of this was going on, because all of this stuff was able to be looked at, they were being investigated by the FBI, IRS, and U.S. Customs, who were able to charge them with mail fraud, insurance fraud, and income tax evasion. Remember how it was a cash business? Business is booming. People would come in and be like, here's $10,000, implant Mm -hmm. my fucking uterus and whatever. Almost a million dollars in clinic income had not been reported. Mm. And it was alleged that the doctors would just pocket the cash paid by fertility patients. Mm. But before they could be charged, Dr. Ash and Balmaceda left the country. Dr. Ash began practicing again in Mexico and Dr. Balmaceda went back to Chile to work at a fertility clinic there. His two older children stayed in the U.S. while the two youngest returned to Chile. You know one of his kids. I do? Or we all do? We all do. If I gave you all data guess, you never would. Pedro Pascal. It is! No way. How did you fucking know that? Chile. I don't know. Yes! 
It's Pedro Pascal. Yes. His dad is Dr. Balmaceda. So. <gasps> oh my God. That, that was crazy. That, that made me jump out of my fucking skin that you knew that. Oh my God. Pedro Pascal believes that his dad is completely innocent, by the way. Mm. Um, but I'll fill you in on more details in a minute. But that's wow, that was wild. so wild that I, I, I just guessed it. Holy shit. Right. Dr. Sergio Stone, the other doctor that they were working with who had kind of set the whole clinic thing up, stayed behind to face his charges of insurance fraud. He was put on house arrest for a year, three years probation, fined 50 grand, and had to pay 14 grand in restitution to insurance companies. UC Irvine settled with 140 victims with mm. a $27 million payout. How much is that split? Well, they didn't split it equally. Oh, okay. Like the people that had their eggs stolen received bigger payouts. Yeah. In 2004, Ash was arrested and tried in Argentina, but was acquitted of all charges in 2008. Then in 2010, he was arrested in Mexico and the authorities were trying to have him extradited to the U.S. But a judge ultimately ruled that Ash had already been tried and acquitted in Argentina. Fucking double jeopardy starring Ashley Judd. Mm -hmm. Theft of human eggs became illegal in California in 1996 as a result of this scandal. Mm. I have to say theft of human eggs because if you would have stolen eggs from a fucking cow horse? that horse, would have been illegal a long time ago that would have been illegal before this yes <laughs> but the crazy thing is it wasn't changed much across the country like it wasn't like oh my god we need to fucking do a big sweep mm. it's moving at a slow ass pace like i said there's only nine states that have legislation and there are nine other states that are still in the works like it's I wonder Taking if you can time. take like a, a microscopic look and to see how many eggs you have left. I think you can. Oh, wild. I think you can. In 2022, Pedro Pascal's dad did come back from Chile to clear some shit up. He made a plea deal and confessed to underreporting his income on his taxes. He still says nobody else but Dr. Ash knew about that part of it. So mm. that's up for debate. It's I don't know. But he admitted to underreporting his income on his taxes. He and other doctors at UC Irvine Clinic were totally pocketing cash. Mm. He's currently out of custody on a $750,000 bond. Mm. And he and his son have a great relationship. Yeah. Interesting. The fucking end. All right, guys. Next week, we have season six, episode two, Debt. Benny and Stabes investigate the disappearance of a mom and her daughter and find a bunch of crazy shit that has to do with corrupt immigration shit. And I think this is a pretty Wong heavy episode from what I'm gathering. Mm, into it. Rate and review us. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Send me fucking ghost stories, please. If you want to send us anything, we love it. Um, P.O. Box 176, DeForest, Wisconsin 53532. Check out our Instagram at svupod. Get merch at svupod.com. A ton of stuff. Stuff. You got to go check it out. Join the Facebook group SVU Pot Elite Squad. And our chat group is called Walk and Talk. There's also a book club called Single Tomato. Hashtag little bit loud for finding indie pods. And if you are an indie pod, hashtag that so everybody can find you. Join the Patreon. We got tons of extra content. Bunch of shit we did during the break that's on there. Oh, yeah. We recorded a decent amount during the break. And it's all ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> also, call or text us and leave us your questions, stories, comments, or if you want any real really really good advice super good advice we have been giving that on patreon as well yep one nine two zero three four five seven zero zero five again for the 90s that's one nine two zero three four five seven zero zero five there should be like a mm. celine dion song playing in the background <laughs> love you bye All right. love you bye 
And it still took us an hour and 47 minutes. Yeah. Well, we talked about Taylor Swift for a long time. That's your fault, though. <laughs> Any Titanic jokes? <laughs> We're hitting this phenomena at the top of its popularity. <laughs> so these doctors, Dr. Ricardo Ash, who came from... My butt. Came... <laughs> Duh. Oh, sorry to you and to everybody who's ever cared about me. <laughs> and to our Lee Squad patrons, Sonia W., Marissa M., Elkie H., Annie G., Mary D., Andrew, Andrew, Rebecca D., Miranda B., Shelby W., Lex, Emily T., Kayla W., Mallory G., Bonita R., Marin, Vanessa, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Kate H, Uyanga. Uyanga. I said that with my whole mouth open the whole time. Uyanga. <laughs> Kayla J, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Katerina G, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear. Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S. Sam D, Mac Attack, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Kaylin B, Camille Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, T B Z G D, K Allen, <laughs> Katie M, Eliza W, Crystal B, Jessica P, Zanin J, Nada M, Sin, Christina D, Madison H, Emily, the old man in the sea. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> um. Victoria B, Scout G, Melissa M, Desiree D, Drew B, Amberly C, Sapphire, Monica K, KDS, Trisha S, Angela D, Brenna T, Andrea M, Natasha S, Andrea H, Miranda B, Al H, Nikki R, Sarah J, my aunt. Sarah. I'm surprised she's she's still a patron after our friendship boat. Like you're like, which one of your family members would you kill? <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Aunt Sarah, you didn't make the cut. Sorry. <laughs> Caitlin S, Emily D, Katie H, Lexi Y, Nikki R, and Vanessa B. We fucking really appreciate you guys supporting us. Best, 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 best patrons ever. Shirt brothers. Alright, I'll I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye.